I know, I'm just a bit, big advocate of, of looking after your staff. And yeah, we, I mean, we're lucky. We won Imbibe's Bar Team of the Year. We've won Bar Manager of the Year. And we've got awards coming out of our fucking ears. But like, I think the thing that makes me proud is that like, it's not, I've never won an award that this is the best cocktail in the world. Because realistically, it's a fucking cocktail. I'd rather be working with happy people, creating a good community. Because um, I think that's just a, a better sort of, light leading forward than oh, you know this one great drink this one time it's like yeah we're known for producing good bartenders we're known for producing good working environments like people should you know gravitate towards that Hello everyone, welcome back to the Birmingham Food Podcast that is Breaking Bread presented yeah, by Watch your <laughs> straight name. Everyone knows the names. <laughs> Don't even hold back. That was Carl. Yeah, getting, getting uh, involved. I'm his co-host, Liam. Two childhood friends obsessed with food. And Birmingham, yeah. And yeah. Birmingham, it's a good yeah, mix, yeah. man. It's perfect mix. Seeing as Birmingham's now getting known to be the food place. It is. Yeah. Catching up. Well, no, it's not catching up with London. It's never going to catch up with London. Ah, that'd be daft. It's in our mind. We love it more than London. But there's more stuff than I can go to at the moment in Birmingham. Yeah. Like, my list is really long of places still to go. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Couple of new openings. Yeah, where have you been, boy? Low Water. I'm oh. a big fan of that, man. I went, yeah, went without me. Got yeah. the t shirt for the crowdfunding. Went without you. I took Neve instead. Yeah, I didn't get the invite. I thought Neve would eat less than you did, but she didn't. She ate all my you food. Want, you want to take paying customers, mate? <laughs> new business. I know, free beer. I'll just go in and give my wallet over and just say, just give me everything. I will do that. I was planning on having dinner somewhere, so I was like, I don't really want to eat loads. I just want to eat a little bit. So I just got the dumplings because, you know, why would you not get dumplings? And yeah, the yeah, awesome. cucumber. I'm mad for cucumber, man. Anything spicy, like fermented cucumber, there's fermented fungi on it. Oh, it was unbelievable. Yeah, like, like a smashed cucumber. Yeah. Thing. That's one of my favourite things that when you get like to just that. a place like smashed cucumber. The flavour they like bang into that is unbelievable, and then obviously the dumplings are great. There was uh, rice cakes, fried rice cakes, lamb shoulder. Next time, I'm getting two of them. <laughs> and oh, mate, two. Next time, I'll come in with a shoulder everything. Yeah, we'll definitely do that. Kings Eve, mate. Kings Eve, just ridiculous. Like oh, Kings Eve. That's what I love about King, Kings East, One of them places. It's sort of. It's not a new venue. Like there's always been stuff in King. Even when like Mosley was at its peak, there was still stuff in King's E. Not much though, like. No, no, not but you much. Said, like the Hounds been there and other pubs and stuff. And now you got the Duke Schooners, Grace and James. Yeah, man. Holy. It's, it's a good place to open somewhere. I think it's pretty consistent. Pause. Went to pause. Obviously, can't go to King's E without going and seeing yeah, Rory and Farrah. Gotta go there, ain't ya? Cinnabuffin, man. Should we go for the hugs? Yeah, man. Going for the hugs. Some of the best coffee Co- you can get. Some of the best co- co- coffee. And we went poly the other day. Went poly as well. Poly. Like, that was my first man. time. Can't believe that was your first time. I was a poly virgin. I love poly. Absolutely. The sides, mate. Them uh, lamb fat roast potatoes. Oh, mate. You know mm. what? The sides, like, the pizza's great. Mm. The sides are equally as good. Better, I think. The sides, like, just ridiculous. The, the marmite garlic bread, oh, that was fantastic. Bread. Oh, mate. Just, I, 
There's nothing they're selling that's not fantastic. Just King's Eighth. Love King's Eighth, man. Yeah, Absolutely love it. It's always been good, man. Today's episode is obviously with Tommy. Yeah, my boy Tommy. Tommy's just ridiculous, man. If you don't know, everyone surely knows Tommy by now, but obviously he was with Couch. He helped open Couch. Before that, I always explain to people at work because they don't know much about food or drink, but everyone knows the Edgebaston Boutique Hotel. So when I say, oh, the old bar manager from the Edgebaston Boutique Hotel, they go, oh, the cocktails there were banging. I'm yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Tommy was a part of that. That's I'm what I mean. That man got me through lockdown, and I'm not joking. Like, I think we talk about it in the podcast. During lockdown, I'm not going to lie, I struggled. I mean, I was out working every day, mm. but I was still not seeing anyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was getting Ox and Origin delivered every Sunday, and it was with Tommy's cocktails. So every Sunday morning, I'd get a knock on the door, and it'd be Tommy with a big bag of food from Ox and Origin, which was unreal, and a load of cocktails for me to drink. So cocktails been a, became as like my Sunday staple. And I got to talk to him, which was nice. I'd barely seen anyone. The only people I've seen through lockdown to have to deliver stuff was them. So I'd seen Tommy quite a lot. I've seen Wine Freedom a fair bit and Attic when they were delivering us in a lot of Attic. But Tommy basically helped get me through lockdown. It helps as well. Literally, Tommy is one of the nicest people you will ever meet, man. He's Just, one of those... He looks like he's loving life all yeah. the time, right? He is. He's very positive. He's... Cocktails are fucking He's fantastic. a genius, man. Yeah, he does. <laughs> like, he made a vermouth out of stout, like a Guinness stout vermouth for one of his cocktails once. He just invents stuff. Yeah. Like, smart, clever... One of my favourite people in Birmingham. I, I, well, I've got a lot of time for Tommy. So we've always wanted to do this podcast, obviously, since then. But then he kept saying, I've got something coming up, man. And he was teasing us when they're like, I've yeah. got something cool coming up. You know, up. it's good that we hadn't done it. Yeah. Because this would this is the right time. We went into pass, passing fantasies and tried... You tried a good chunk of the menu. Yeah, we got... And, so and off the menu, actually. We were lucky enough <laughs> to get invited to try it early on. And he's there and he's got Matt and Eve there and they're both... Like, it's a trio of people who are super talented. Oh, just ridiculous. And we tried... I, I don't know how many cocktails I had. Well, that's just Fair, a good sign. Yeah. It was a good night, though. We were just busy chatting to everyone. It was, and good. It was one of them things, again, where we knew everyone that turned up. So it was great. And he's got... I'm not being funny. The cocktails are fantastic. He's got Stella unfiltered on tap. And this is hardly on tap anywhere. of like, on draft, I mean. I love the vibe it's as so well. It's so good. The vibe of the restaurant. Yeah, the inside oh, sorry, of the restaurant. Sorry, not restaurant, great. the bar. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's got food. It feels it's like, like food a restaurant. Q box. I seen somewhere that it said like he wanted it to be like, you know how everyone has a party in the kitchen? Every party, the kitchen's the place. And he yeah, wanted that yeah, to be like the kitchen from the house party and it felt like that because there's no like bar blocking everything off. There's like a waste level bar or even lower. And you're all on it. And everyone's like involved, so it's all very interactive and it just feels like fun, doesn't it? Like? Yeah. It's, it, it's, the cocktails are fantastic. The place is fantastic. The toilets are brilliant. They've got the best <laughs> toilets in Birmingham. Like, you think this is a joke? You, I thought people were winding me up. And then I went to the toilet and I was like, you know, it's got the fucking coolest toilets in Birmingham. Like Night Rider toilets. Yeah, toilets are special. <laughs> <laughs> I did not expect to be talking about the toilets. No, 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 I wasn't. <laughs> Everyone kept coming back from the toilet and they were like, yeah, oh, yeah, have you seen yeah. the toilet? Yeah. <laughs> the amount of people taking selfies now, all the selfies from Passing Fences now are all in the toilet. You're not going to see anything, just like black and a red light that's that light though yeah that lighting is brilliant that's proper moody but everything I had was fantastic he even invented a cocktail for me on the night because I asked him to do this and he said I could do a variant of it and he just invented this awesome cocktail which all the is going to bang on the next menu 
just a great place. The food's just incredible. It's from um, yeah, Cubox Foods. Yeah. And that with the samples we had of that were proper and nice. Beignets. Oh, yeah, so good. So I want to go back there and eat. That's and in the custard factory, man. It's such a special place. It's a great spot right next to. Uh, NQ64 opposite 670 grams so if you're going for 670 for dinner like obviously you should be anyway because it's fucking unreal but you've got somewhere great for cocktails before and after mm. I just I absolutely love recording this episode Tommy's Look, just a joy to kind of spend a big shout out to Crazy Pedros who let us record yeah in their good shout um, really generous people somewhere we've talked about a lot anyway yeah, I'm a big yeah. fan of Crazy Pedros but I think they're Pizzas are great, drinks great, good, got a good vibe, good atmosphere. Mm. Open till super late, big industry discounts. So if you work in the industry, take your pace with you and you get massive discounts there. Great, and I think they've been good help to Tommy as well. It feels like they've built a little community there now between NQ and. Yeah, they're all. What's the, the chances? Um, yeah, you got the chances bar. You chances got that, bar. The bar, I can't say the name of. Sombrero, some, Sombrero or something Yeah, I'll let you say it. <laughs> And then you've got the Stoke haircut place, yeah, bar at yeah, night yeah. as well. And that's all just in the like where the medicine bar was. They've all helped each other right, I think, at some stage, and they've definitely helped Tommy. Uh, hope you all really enjoyed this episode. I mean, we would have done this, like. Oh, mate! I'm, I'm, no offense, to <laughs> anyone, this is one of my favourite episodes. Yeah, so just yeah, doing it with one of our mates, yeah, so it's perfect. It just felt like meeting a friend for a cup of tea or something, yeah, didn't it? Like, yeah. well, can of Carlin as it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had a nice frozen margarita. Well, you had a yeah, nice frozen margarita. Yeah. Tommy, one of the best cocktail makers ever, sitting there with a can of Carlin. It's, it's, it was wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely summed up Tommy, I think. Like. Yeah, it does. So talented. Awesome conversation. If you love this, help us out. Nip on to iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Whatever the rating system is, just give us top marks and say something nice. I mean, we had so many people reaching out to us over the last couple of episodes and yeah, the Grace and Saver one got a lot yeah, of love, man, it, which was really nice. We got so many nice messages off people saying, oh, this episode's fantastic. We love doing this. Like, we really, four years, we don't make money off it, but we do it for the love. And th- their messages, they give us such a little boost. Mate, and that's it, that's like payment for me. Yeah, yeah, Seriously, yeah, yeah. it's like, yeah. I get a message saying, oh, I love that podcast you did, blah, blah, blah. Like, that's enough, but I'd like... I'm really happy when I get stuff like that. So just drop us a writing, drop us a message, anywhere like that. That's just all support for us. We love it. Yeah. If um, you want to ask us something, just message us on Instagram. We'll yeah, literally man. answer that any questions. That might be something you I might bring anything, into, you know. Know, We might give some people notice before we record podcasts and maybe you want to drop in a few questions that we'll ask the guest. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. Get a bit more interactive and stuff like that. Yeah, I like that. Either way, I'm not rambling on anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, Tommy. Tommy. Passing fancies. Tommy, award-winning cocktail maker, covered in paint. How are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, yeah, like is that said, paint for real or you just put it on just for the photos? Yeah, just for the photos. <laughs> I gotta, you know, I'm a big believer of faking it till you make it. So I gotta make it look like I'm doing something, right? <laughs> I bet you were doing nothing until you seen us coming around the corner of the custard factory and thought, quick, they're coming. Look, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't <laughs> actually know what cut, cutting in means. So <laughs> Oh yeah, lads, I'm cutting in. Don't know what that even means. I had no idea. I heard you, I heard you say it. I was like, I don't know how long that takes. He said, give us a shout, I'm cutting in. <laughs> How are you keeping? Yeah, good man. Um, yeah, super excited. I mean, obviously, opening 
like a venue is no no small feat but yeah we're having heaps of fun with it like i think i got a good team around me um yeah we're doing good we're doing really good just taking each day as it comes problem arises we don't get too emotional and stressed about it we just problem solve our way through it and then crack on to the next one and then hopefully just cross one or two jobs off a day on the never-ending list of yeah, shit to do the, the growing list <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah you like move something and you're like oh fuck we gotta do that now. <laughs> if we were speaking a week today i'd say you might be a bit more nervous yeah, yeah absolutely well the list would actually probably be longer right <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely I mean, it's looking good. Like compared to we seen it, uh, we seen it the launch. Oh, Chili Fest, didn't we? Oh um, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah when you came like in, a month and a half. Yeah, ago came in. You don't need to go in there. You're taking the shit off the windows. Yeah, yeah. That was literally. I think that was the day after we got the keys. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's one of those where we we got the keys. So my two business partners, Matt and Eve, we got the keys, and we sort of. I think it's the same with like ever starting your own thing is that for so long we were just in this empty room that we'd spent thousands and thousands of pounds on and and things just seemed to like like i said like you guys came in there's just nothing in there and for like two weeks there's no real movement because it's just doing all the licensing and getting your builders sorted yeah but then things have just really started to speed up and it's actually really nice like when friends like yourselves come through or you know hospo guys walk past and they haven't been past for a week or so and they're like oh it looks really different to last week because we're in there every day for god knows how many hours you don't notice the changes so it's really nice when people say oh it looks different because yeah, it looks massively I mean, hopefully- different now <laughs> it's completely different but it's already coming on so yeah, yeah. and now you've only got a week now yeah yeah literally week tomorrow and it's friends and family We'll all be sitting around, sitting on the floor with our legs crossed, singing "Kumbaya" or "Stella." I don't sound that bad. <laughs> it doesn't actually. I always wondered, you know, when you have the friends and family night, like mm-hmm. I, we've obviously spoke to a lot of people who've opened restaurants and said the same thing. Is it? I'm sure you're doing it because you're expecting not an easy ride, but like maybe a, a little bit of honesty. But they will be kind. But like, see if it was my family. <laughs> like, I'd just be torn to shreds. Like, yeah, yeah, why isn't yeah. this fucking perfect? Do you know what? Actually, like, I'm I'm from Hull. I'm from East Yorkshire, and actually, none of my family are coming down. So for me, it's just a friends' night. But <laughs> now, that good though, because are they brutally honest? Yeah, 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 they are. They're savage, man. They're northerners. <laughs> yeah, my yeah. stepdad will sit there and be like, well, "What the bloody hell's this?" <laughs> um, and uh, I mean, for us, it's more a case of like, just like we get to see how the process of everything yeah, goes yeah. like that like you talk about the guest experience like from getting in the door to leaving it's us having a bit of leeway and like like i said one of the reasons we're doing it on a tuesday is so that we can get a load of the hospo fam down and just have like people that know what they're on about talk about the guest experience like i don't know after we've had two dozen people sit on the toilet seat does the toilet seat go wonky you know yeah, do we need yeah, to buy yeah. better toilet seats like is the temperature good you know stuff like lighting music because quite frankly if people come in and go oh, i don't like that drink i'll be like tough it's staying on the menu <laughs> like, it's my bevs like whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah not in an arrogant way but you know how it is like when i think everyone likes to everyone likes to think they're a professional on on these on these bits yeah but do you think you'll get advice because obviously now everyone's taking photos of everything mm. is that when you're planning the lighting and the layout and you take into account like people are gonna be taking pictures of these yeah, drinks because yeah, it's so sure. big now, like Instagram yeah, and for, sure. for bars and stuff. So yeah, there are certain elements. I mean, with the whole, we've worked with a guy called Matthew Lloyd, um, who is a wonderful Brummy lad. Um, he used to work for Faber Design Company. He was on the design team um, when the Edge Baston opened years ago. He helped design that. Currently moved down to London, and I just know him through friend of a friend. Um, and he sort of has done the design process for us, which has been really nice. Like he's given us the mock-ups. And we, when we sort of said to him, 
what we were looking for, we were taking into account this idea of taking photos of venues, but from like trying to come at it from a different element of like other venues, like, I mean, I'm sure you've seen so many venues these days have goddamn neon signs about everything. Oh, it's yeah, just driving me. Oh my God. That. Yeah, it's like, it's just, it's, I mean, yeah. It's well, just, that's not the venue, that's just yeah, that's yeah, the yeah, fucking exactly, wall. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, we've actually got this like um, bar top made for us by a company called Fresco. They're based just uh, just out of North Handsworth, and they essentially do sort of like all the waste wood chippings from from um, from the wood industry or carpentry industry or whatever. Um, they just set it in like a eco epoxy on some ply, and it's like this beautiful like speckled wood and and like um, ivory cream epoxy bar top. So when people are sat at the bar and they take a photo of their drink. It's like it's iconic that if you see a drink that's on that background, you'd kind of assume you're like, oh, that's one of Passing Fancy's drinks. And it's sort of really, um, I kind of, I didn't steal, well, no one steals an idea like that, but I was really inspired to do something like that because these two bars I adore, Present Company in Liverpool, they have this beautiful bar top with these like, almost like white minstrels, just perfectly like, it's so satisfying to look at, like yeah. just all in a row, like, and then, um, a bar in London called Coupette and they just their bar top is just uh, the old school French Franks just like lacquered into the bar because it's a French style venue so that anytime I see the present company bar top or the Coupette bar top I'm like I instantly know where they are so I was like when people are in the venue and they take a photo of the drink then yeah I want it's more about it will look sexy of course it will but and then I also want people to be like oh shit that's passing fancies yeah so for sure, you have to kind of take that into consideration these days. It's it's a it's a digital world we live in, right? Then <laughs> off. I've seen some kind of stat that it's a while since I've read now. It's probably a, a little bit out of date, but it was something like eighty uh, percent of people between eighteen and twenty five choose where they're going out that night based on Instagram or something. Like that. Yeah, that's mad. Yeah, yeah that's that's mad. That is. We had actually had this big chat about like how much we actually invest into our website, right? Mm. Like. Who's going to actually, like, obviously you Google somewhere to find out where it is or whatever. But I think the younger generation coming through, like, I'm 31, so I, I mean, I, cute computers are my, they're my generation. I honestly, ask anyone, I am so bad with technology. <laughs> I can't, like, this idea of attaching a printer to my laptop, I've no fucking clue, mate. Like, <laughs> and I turn it on and off about a dozen times. But, um, yeah, we were like, do we invest in a website? Are people going to Google, w, you know, passing fantasies on the website? Or are they just going to Google it to find out where it is? and then just go on Instagram to see the content, right? So instead of investing in a website, we'll invest in content creation and you know PR agencies and proper social media management. Because yeah, like I think there is that idea of like Instagram is, is such a, it's at the forefront of why, why people pick where they go, right? So you're not gonna have a website, no? Oh, we no, we have a website because oh, yeah. there is that fine line, right? Like I wouldn't trust somewhere that doesn't have a website. Just about to say, <laughs> a website's main purpose now is. Um, Booking, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. booking, but it's um, trust as well. Yeah, like yeah, it's, it's like uh, an authenticity yeah, thing, right? A, yeah, 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 for yeah. sure. Nah, so we will, but it will essentially be, you know, a homepage, bit of what we do, yeah. it'll link to our booking system, and then we'll have, you know, maybe, you know what, some people, we've already had so many people saying, oh, we've got sample menus, we've got sample menus. So we'll have a sample menu on there, and because the offering's going to change so often, it's, it's tough to be able to say, we can't update it every day, but we'll have sample stuff on there. Um, well, yeah, I think it all depends on what age group you're going yeah, for. Yeah. You know, if you were like, I don't want to mention anyone in particular around 
Digba. <laughs> there's some bars that are just aiming for, like, if you were 25 in some of these bars around here, you'd be pretty old. Yeah, oh, yeah, I had out 100%. And if I owned one of them, yeah, there's no yeah, way yeah. I'd pay for a website. There's no yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. I'd be investing in TikTok or something, yeah, but just, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be investing in a website. you got to go wherever your customers are. Oh, right? 100%. It's mad, like, to think around here, we're actually the only, other than, I guess, Cray, which is, you know, fine dining at yeah. 670, we're the only table service venue in the area. Yeah, then it's so high it's end like, side yeah, place. yeah, it's it's really not but that type of place. You just kind of touched on it a little bit, but where you are is perfect because you got mm. Roberto's as well across yeah. the road. So it's kind of linked. I feel like the same person who goes to you, you might come to you for a cocktail first, mm-hmm. maybe nip for a beer, yeah. then go to Cray for dinner, and then maybe come back to you for a cocktail. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It's, that's the idea, and that's something we actually really saw that worked when we opened Couch uh, back in 2019. Something we really saw develop was this idea of people coming to us for a drink and then as more opened up around there, they'd be going to Eat Vietnam for dinner, Can Eat for dinner, they'd be going to Yakuchi for dinner, um, next door to Vabina, and then they'd just come back to us for a drink afterwards. And it was this like, it's definitely something we want to link into around here is that like, you know, we're here for, don't get me wrong, we're going to have a, a, a bigger option, but yeah, we're here for some pre-drinks and some post-drinks for, and we want to link up with people of quality like mm-hmm. 670, but, you know, in saying that as well, like, I don't know, hearing myself say that, like, we also want the people that will go to Pedro's. I have no, I have absolutely no, like, condescension to what type of drink you want, right? We, we have, ste- we literally have Stella on draft. Like, when I, when I tell people that we have Stella on draft, and then we'll have, like, hopefully a phenomenally delicious, uh, like, cocktail beverage program, the two can go side by side. Okay, it'll be Stella unfiltered and Guinness, but... Stella and Phil, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's as delicious. Well. I only tried it for the first time the other day, and I was yeah. like, "Man, this is good." I already knew you had it on tap. Yeah, I was like, yeah. that's well, going to be awesome. Well, yeah, I, like I work on this idea of a table of four, right? So, like, if you get four people coming to your venue, like, say two pe- two of them want cocktails, one of them wants a wine, and one of them wants a beer. Like, how do you hit them with the best quality of everything that you can source and then give them? It's not this idea of like we're so invested in cocktails that we have a terrible wine or an average wine list and an average beer selection. Like we'll have a rotating, you know, cans, can and bottled selection. So we buy one crate from Dea, we buy one crate from wherever. That's in the fridge and the backup one's ready to go in to replace it when it empties. Um, and with our beer, our wine list, you know, we're rotating wines every month. It's not like we're just going to sit there and be like, this is our wine list for six months. But yeah, I just, yeah, I, I think we want to, being in Digbeth, like as you touched on, we have such a young audience around here but we also do have people that go to Cray. So we want to really be that middle ground for sure. I think that's what the beauty of Digbeth is. There's so many yeah. different nights out. When we were growing up, there was just one night out here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was it. Like old school pubs, basically. Yeah. Or a rave venue. That was it. Yeah. Two options. Well, now you've got so many different places and so many different nights out and you can mix and match all these things. that You could come out here every weekend for a year and not do yeah, the same yeah. night out. 100%. And I think like, you know, we got asked this a lot when we were doing the business plan, like, who's your target audience? Who's your target audience? And I'm like, like to a, to a certain respect, that's kind of irrelevant these days, and especially around here. Like, if you want to come to us for some drinks before you go to a rave and stay there until 6 a.m., I don't give a shit. Like, if you're, as long as you're not an <laughs> asshole and as long as you're respectful of the venue and you pay your bill, I don't give a shit. Like, I'm respectful to others, right? Like, I don't, I'm not going to say that I don't want your money because you're not my certain clientele, right? And surely if we're in a younger area of Birmingham like if we have six five ten thousand people that are our captive audience for the weekend if only one percent of them think oh do you know what I've heard they do really good drinks and they funnel into our venue for one drink 
and they're like, oh, okay, I've had a delicious cocktail. This is what a delicious cocktail should taste like. And then they go to Pedro's for margaritas. I don't mind. Like, that's that's literally what Discovery is. Oh, that's what is. I'm drinking right now. <laughs> <laughs> Frozen margarita <laughs> Yeah, I've, I've been living. That's pretty much my blood at the moment is margaritas. <laughs> like, John has been looking after us like nothing else. <laughs> so we will come back to passing fancies, obviously. <laughs> But, uh, we normally start Sorry, at yeah, the beginning, yeah, yeah. but no, no, don't, don't apologize. Just, oh, there's no orbit. This, this, this goes whatever way we like. Don't even dream that this is some kind of professional organized <laughs> Yeah, there's no plan. <laughs> I mean, I'm sat here drinking a cowling, boys. We, we, so. don't, <laughs> we don't plan this. <laughs> How'd you get into hospitality, Tommy? Um, real interested, actually. Um, so my first job, other than my paper rounds, I was a pot wash at Pizza Express um, in the northeast of England in, in a town called Beverly. That's so funny. With the amount of times we've asked that very question and nobody's ever had said, well, when I was 14, I was a paper boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, innit? I think... I've gone too far back now. <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, yeah. But no, nah, so basically, I worked hospital when I was younger and I loved, the, I loved the community of it. Like, I loved that it was just people. But obviously, I was a pot wash, so it was only really staff. But I ended up actually training to be an accountant. I did my AAT, so my Association of Accounting Technicians, and then jumped onto my CMO when I was like 21. And honestly, if I was an accountant now, I think I'd be the angriest person in the world. It was such a boring, no offense to accountants out there, but it just yeah. wasn't for me. Um, so I went traveling. sleep on a pillow of cash, though. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I'd be a richer man if I was accountant and accountant. But, um, but yeah, it's, uh, I just did, really didn't enjoy it. And I was at a time in life where I thought, you know what, I'll do a bit of traveling. So when I was like, just turned 21, me and two of my best mates went to Australia, that classic, oh, we're going to go find ourselves, right? We're going to go <laughs> travel around Australia. Did you have dreadlocks or brands? I didn't something? have dreadlocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, I lost my hair at a very young age, so <laughs> I think it was the accounting. Like, I ended up staying in Australia for a bit longer than my two mates that I was with, and I didn't want to just like have like uh, sort of like European mates in hostels. So I was like, I'm going to go find a job in a bar and like, like try and make some friends through, through that. So yeah, started working in a really shit pub in Perth in Western Australia and met two really cool chefs. Um, who I'm still friends with these t- today and they ended up moving to this sick little cocktail bar and I moved with them, but I had no real cocktail experience. So I was just, uh, I was just on the floor delivering drinks and I just loved it. And it just evolved from there. And I came home and, and was like, right, I gotta make it. I want, I want to make a career out of this. I, I just love that. It sounds so cheesy, but meeting someone new every day and like, it doesn't, when you really enjoy what you do, it's like, yeah, like I said, cliche, when you really enjoy what you do, is it really work? Mm. Like, I go to work, I get behind the bar and I just, I mean, ask anyone I've ever worked with, I just tell shit jokes and do <laughs> no work and then make one nice cocktail and then. <laughs> yeah, I've witnessed this. Yeah, yeah, and it, so. It's been, yeah, history ever since. I think, because I only started really when I was 25 and I'm 31, no, 24. So I've not had a long career in it, but yeah. So a lot later than, than people, I guess, but yeah. Came back to home. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I got home and I was home about a week and I was like, oh, fuck this noise. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's great, don't get me wrong, but I was like, I couldn't, I felt like I'd just taken a step back in it. Like, I was going out and I was seeing like people that had, I'd gone to school with and stuff, and I was like, oh, fuck this. Like, I, like I'm out of here. I hit the eject button. And I actually had two mates that were working down here at JLR. Um, so I hit one of them up and was like, can I come stay on your sofa? Um, so I came down and just never left. Well, I mean, I've got a house. I'm not on the sofa. But <laughs> yeah, still living yeah, at the yeah, house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> six, you, seven years later or whatever. What did you do? Just work in a bar straight away? Or? Yeah, so I actually came, I came down for a week just to 
hang about with them just to get my head a bit right because I actually I like really loved living in Australia and you ask anyone I ever worked with people are always like oh my god Tommy you go to Australia <laughs> um, it was really hard for me coming home because I never I never thought I'd come home but it was visa issues and stuff and I got home and I was a bit down and out so I came down and stayed with the boys um, and I was like you know what I'll just hand some CVs about and I mean this is how long ago it was I handed a CV into the bureau of all places wow handed a CV into the botanist I actually remember walking into the botanist when I handed my CV in and was like do you have any jobs and I sat at the I sat at the bar and my bar blade fell out my pocket. You know, they're like things that you used to open um, bottles and that. And I just saw Jacob Clark, who owns Couch, and Raj, one of the one of our good friends that used to work there. They they perked up like meerkats and they just saw me sat at the bar and they were like bartender. <laughs> and they were so in need of staff. <laughs> and it was like November at this point, so they were just about to get the Christmas fisting. So literally that day, sat down with Jules, who was the old GM, now runs the Anchor. Well, now owns the Anchor. And uh, yeah, and they sent me to Leeds. Did all my training. I mean, if you know me, I fucking hate Leeds, but it was nice to be there for two weeks. <laughs> come home, I'll come back to Birmingham. Got a spot uh, to live, and at that point, my now wife came home from, oh, she got her visa sorted, she's a Kiwi, so came over. And then, yeah, the rest is history, from, from the botanist to the edge baston, from the edge baston to couch, and then now, now the new spot. It went fairly well at couch, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. What a venue. Yeah, well, it is, it's, it's honestly, we, you know, hats off to Katie and Jacob, we created something really special down there. I really think I got so much time for both of them. I think they're wonderful humans. Danny, who's, who works there as well, and Asha, they're, they're both lovely people. I remember the early days of Couch, we were sort of saying like, again, you know, what's the concept? What's what's the overarching idea? And Jacob was just constantly like, oh, it's cheers with cocktails, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, if you were to like one sentence to sum that place yeah, up, it's pretty exactly. bang on. If that was what you were aiming yeah. for, you definitely <laughs> yeah, yeah, achieved yeah. it. Good bevs, good people, good music. Like it's literally like the basics of Hospo done really, really, really fucking well. And they nailed it and they did. And they're, and they're you know, I wish them all the best. I really do. Bartending is often frowned upon. I think we mentioned it quite every time we've got someone in front of the house on me talk yeah. about it. And it's always like, oh, what, what are you studying? What are you going to do next? You know, yeah, it's always yeah, like yeah. a intermediary career. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, at what point did you think, oh, shit, this is me now. This, I'm set. This is my uh, career. Honestly, early on. You, you must have been getting pressure. I mean, I don't know what your folks are like, but I'm pretty sure if I trained as an accountant, my dad would be like, what the fuck are you working at? <clears> yeah, oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah, 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 100%. Like, I mean, yeah, I still remember the phone call when I rang my mom and she's, when I came home, she was obviously like, you know, she's excited to do refresher courses for all the new tax law and all that shit. Mm. And uh, she was like lining me up for all that because she knew I was, I'd, I'd taken it pretty hard coming home. And uh, I remember ringing her from Birmingham and I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm staying down here. I've got a job in a bar. And she was like, what? <laughs> you what know, was she, she most upset about the fact <laughs> you work in the bar or the fact it was well, Birmingham? One of the, actually, one of the jokes, one of the things she always says to me is that she actually used to talk to me more when I was in Australia through Skype than now I'm in Birmingham. Yeah. Like all, the, all the way across the world, we made an effort. And now I'm like two and a half hours down the road. I never fucking speak to no, him. No, we've got a friend in Australia. <laughs> I swear I speak to him more now yeah. that he's in Australia than I do when he was here. Yeah, yeah it's always the way. But I've always been into like community, right? Like, I grew up skateboarding. It was my life. Like my dream was to be a pro skater, or whatever. And skateboarding is about like yes, it's a sport or whatever, but it's about community, right? Like we used to go down to the skate shopping hall, four down. This was before phones. Like I wasn't allowed a phone at this point. I eventually got my sister's thirty-two ten or whatever, hand me down. But you'd get to the you'd get to the shop and then you just wait for people to turn up. You put some skate videos on. You'd maybe I don't know, buy some new wheels, buy a new deck, whatever you needed, new T-shirt for the day with your paper round money or your Pizza Express money. And then you'd you'd head out as a crew and then you'd go skate all day and you'd just get, you'd just sing, you know, the old kids would bring some beers or whatever. 
And, um, and I think I just replaced my sort of love of community and that sort of element to like the bar side of things because like the bar scene, like it is, it's a community as well, whether it's a community as of professionals, but then also a community of people in the bar. One of my big things with the new spot is that like, if we're going into the big R word recession, people are still gonna go out eating and drinking, I hope, but people are gonna be more picky about where they go, right? So you have to never ever forget like the base reason that people go out to drink is to socialize. I mean, okay, there might be other reasons in there that are a bit more, you know, deeper than that. But, you know, people, if I'm going to go out for a drink with a mate, I'm going to go out to see my mate. And then the question would be, where should we go? Yeah. Like, I'm still going out with them, but the where should we go? We want, you have to like, for me, we have to like pander to that in this idea that we're a wonderful, like Couch does, we're a wonderful bar, great service, great drinks, constantly changing offering. You know, it's a nice community place to sit and have a good time. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's just what, yeah, that was, I was hooked from bartending from a very, it didn't help the two guys, I was just saying, the chefs, they were like killer. They, they used to skate as well. And they were, now looking back at it, they were 30, 31. And this is when I was 24, 25. So I used to go skate with them as well. And that's like, I just, yeah, I got hooked then, hooked from since then. You were on How it. did the Edge Baston come out? Because Edge Baston just closed this year. Yeah, sad, like, sad news. Yeah. When, when, when was it like, when did it open, do you know? Or? 2014, end of 2014, start of 2015, I believe. And it was like, everyone was talking about it. Yeah, it was, was killer. So many it was killer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How did um, that come about? So that was just like, uh, so obviously the botanist is a chain, right? And it was great work in there. And like I said, the community of the botanist was phenomenal. You know, Jules was a GM who now owns the anchor. Katie Rouse was the AGM who's now obviously with, with uh, has couch and, and Jacob was our IST and you know we had a wonderful community but I didn't really enjoy the product and I genuinely have to enjoy something that I'm doing to be able to do it every day like that's why I became a bartender right that's why I gave up a, a career in accounting because I didn't want to do that every day I wanted to do something I wanted to do and I just wasn't enjoying the drinks and and all that stuff so a guy from the botanist Dave Fry had actually just moved over to to uh, the Edge Baston and he said oh there's a job coming up do you want to go for it and like I mean <laughs> Like I said, I'm sat here drinking a carling. I don't consider myself a hotel bartender. But I, I saw, I checked them out. I saw their drinks program. Um, I did a bit of reading or a bit of research about the, the, the crew that was already there. And I applied and, yeah, ended up getting the job. And, you know, I had to wear a, a waistcoat and a tie for nearly four years. But it was one of the best moves I ever made. Um, I think it really defined, like, me as a bartender and my, my style that like you know no matter who you are no matter where you come from good drinks are good drinks and they're for everybody you know the, the edge baston was black and gold and luxurious mm. but by no means did i ever want it to be pretentious or condescending it was like if you want to come and enjoy a good drink come and enjoy a good drink but yeah i got a lot of love for the edge baston <laughs> who created the menu because the warehouse in birmingham was doing cocktails like that at the time there wasn't many yeah no like no one. so the opening team was rob wood yeah. um luke pearson james bowker um, Steph, there were some wicked people on the opening because I didn't. I was there after about a year after it opened. Um, I believe the first menu was. I'd like to. I'd like to think it was a collaboration, but I think the majority of it was spearheaded by Rob. And I think that was really Rob putting his foot on the, you know, on the map of the Birmingham bar scene as well. Yeah, I came on. I think I came on in 2016. Um, Rob had gone at this point, and Luke Pearson, who's a, a good friend, Wonder Chocolate. Luke Pearson, check out a good chocolate brand. Amazing and Mr. Bowker, James Bowker. It was their menu at that point. But yeah, literally no one was doing that level of drinks. It was like, it was, we talk about London as a, as a benchmark. 
but it was London Bevs in Birmingham and yeah. it was just bonkers, man. Like maybe Born & Co at a certain point, but I, I know that had a, a lot of drama surrounding it. And then 40s popped up eventually, which Rob, Rob went to. Um, but yeah, it's it was we really were just the one thing at that, at that level of quality for, for a while, for a good couple of years. And it was because we all cared. It was because we were all from different walks of life, but all we wanted to do was make good bevs. You know, I, I actually, I actually, I, I fucking hate the term wanky bartender. Like, I fucking hate it, dude. Like, it's <laughs> like, it's, it's like another bartender saying it's wanky bartending is like OPM calling carters wanky food. It makes no sense. Just because you make daiquiris and margaritas in your bar and we strive to do something different in our bar, doesn't make me wanky. I'm just, I want to do a different, I want to do my drinks a different way to you. And it's almost like a, not a defense mechanism, but I just don't get it sometimes. It's like, it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think it makes it makes them feel better. They're like, yeah. oh, we could do that wanky stuff. We yeah, just don't yeah. want to be that wanky. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I know, I know, I know. I like, I just, the way I've always said it to anyone that's ever worked with me is like, there is never anything rob, wrong with doing your job to the best of your ability, whether that's serving someone, whether that's making a good drink, I don't know, whether that's polishing a goddamn glass, like just, if you care about it, you'll do it well. But yeah, I don't even know where we we're going with that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, somewhere. I think maybe getting outside influences as well from other countries as well helps. Like America always had a great scene. Yeah, for sure. And obviously London. Maybe they come back up this way and bring it with them. And yeah. It goes back to the whole, you know, if it, if it is a part-time career, if it is a stepping stone while you're studying, you don't, maybe don't care as much. Yeah. Know, but you need someone who's going to really invest and say, well, I'm fully invested to this now and I'm going to push things forward. I want to create something. For sure. And, but I also think like, I also think a lot of onerous of that actually falls onto bar managers because there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of people that I like, I call them tasters that, that, that dip their toe into our industry and then decide, like say they're at uni or college and they decide they don't like it. Okay, why don't you like it? Okay, the big one is always, it's unsociable hours, right? That's a, that's a big learning curve. I mean, for me, I, I'm happy with it because it just means I never have to set a fucking alarm, right? So I get it from work, <laughs> I fall asleep. I literally never have to wake up to an alarm. It's like the best thing ever. Other than unsociable hours, it's like, okay, well, it's long shifts. I don't get food. I have to deal with asshole customers. Um, I don't like my team. My head bartender is absolutely off his nut on coke. Um, do you know what I mean? There's a plethora <laughs> of reasons to why someone that could potentially actually really like our industry doesn't like it. And I think a lot of that falls onto venue management, general managers, bar managers. It's like, if you have them, if you have people that are investing in the wellness of their staff, like, you know, not, okay, I'm, I'm a, you know, we might have to do a double every now and then. I don't mind, it is what it is. But if I have to do one double every now and then, because I know the rest of the time I'm looked after, I'll, I'll, of course I'll do a long day to cover someone, whatever. But I think trying to get, like I say, trying to get new people in and then them not just going, oh yeah, I'm only doing it while I'm at uni and giving them that passion that's the hardest part but I do think a lot of that falls onto the way things are run and it is changing at the moment it really is um, because there's literally no other way we're going to get people in the industry we have to like, literally get people in on a part-time basis or while they're, while they're studying and then they have to literally catch the bug or think they really enjoy it because there's no other way they're going to get in the industry there's no college for this there's no yeah. food school equivalent to bartending there's no do you know what I mean like we're seen as servants at the end of the day so it's a tough one but yeah you're right there oh Never even thought about that, but I, w I used to work in a real shit um, chain bar in Salil. It was <laughs> terrible, wasn't it? It was like, it was a dog. Well, There's in, lots so of nodding like, going on. Like, uh, <laughs> order a single, get a treble, it's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but I Happy absolutely, <laughs> like, 
I would have ran wars, ran through wars for yeah. my gaffer at that pub. Yeah, like, yeah he's yeah. still even like now. He's a really good friend of mine. He yeah, still yeah. runs a pub around Birmingham, and he kind of nearly the whole team was like that. We all kind of worked way harder than we probably should have. Yeah, because the company was shit and didn't really look after us at all. But yeah. the managers did. The two managers. Yeah, for they sure. They really looked after us. Yeah. So. yeah. Funny you said that. I forgot all about that. Yeah, man. I think it's it, it is it's it's. Like, it's very rare for someone to wake up one day and go, do you know what, I'm going to be a career bartender. Like, career bartender is like two words that seldom fucking go together, right? So it is about nurturing. It's about, there are lots of benefits to our industry. If you work with brands, if you, you know, there are lots of, like, doors that could open from being a bartender. Listen to our podcast with Sona. Honest to God. Yeah, I actually haven't heard that one. I haven't heard that one. <laughs> he's been like over the desert in a helicopter. He's oh, like, yeah. Man, he's had some experiences, yeah, man. I mean, I've, I've been taken to the Genkis Mountains in North New York. I've been to Kentucky. Go. I've traveled the world, man, like yeah. for free. I've, I spent literally a week in Toronto with a whiskey brand before, two weeks before COVID got, we got locked down. That was amazing. Like I've got, the way I look at it is I've got sofas to sleep on all over the world. Like, it's, it is. It's and a you could work anywhere in yeah, the world. Yeah, yeah, like You 100%. could jump beyond any bar. And just yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just liquid in a glass, you know? Yeah. Okay, there might be way, different ways to measure, yeah. but it's once you figure out that... But it's not even a liquid there? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I wonder, like, how many customers come in for the... Because every pub in Birmingham sells Carlin, so why choose the Windsor or the Chuck? Yeah. It's probably because you get on with the bar stuff or, you know... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or you like the other people that are in that pub, so you yeah. end up chatting to them. Well, I know my mum and dad are from a very different, um, like, uh, generation, right? And they just... They, they don't get my career at all, and it's fine. Yeah. But they're all... They're of the type where they go, oh, we go to this place in Hull because there's a, there's a really nice waiter and he always looks after us. Do you know what I mean? And they're, like, nearly 70 now. So, like, it, it is a way of, like... It's, it's a way that some people pick their venue you know like mm. you talk about the, the the real young end using social media and then the old end do it based <laughs> on like you know previous encounters with staff but yeah i don't know i'm just a bit, big advocate of, of looking after your staff and yeah we i mean we're lucky we won in vibes bar team of the year we've won bar manager of the year and we've got awards coming out of fucking ears but like i think the thing that makes me proud is that like it's not I've never won an award that this is the best cocktail in the world because realistically, it's a fucking cocktail. I'd rather be working with happy people, creating a good community because um, I think that's just a, a better sort of light leading forward than oh, you know this one great drink this one time. It's like, yeah, we're known for producing good bartenders. We're known for producing good working environments. Like people should, you know, gravitate towards that. Um, and we're lucky, like, you know, with the new bar, we've got, we've got some great bartenders working with us. Um, we're a big advocate. This and this is this is how I'm trying to get people into the industry. So we completely employed based on no experience. Like my whole ethos is that like I can teach you how to make a good drink, but I can't teach you not to be an asshole. Like <laughs> there is a very fine line of like how people conduct themselves when they're serving other people. It's like it, you know you have to be able to empathize. You have to be able to be a bit selfless. Like you know I'm not making this sound like fucking Mother Teresa here, but like. <laughs> You know, there has to be a want to make someone have a good time, you know, like not roll your eyes when a new customer walks in when you're really busy, you know, it's just dumb. Um, people will remember a great experience in an average drink than a great drink in a shit experience, you know, yeah, like, it's yeah, happened yeah. to me over and over again. So so how was the recruitment? Because everyone's talking about recruitment in hospitality, yeah, like everywhere, yeah. but especially in hospitality. It was actually really good. We got some really strong, healthy CVs through. Yeah, it was honestly, it was a delight. I mean, I've had, I've, I was recruiting at the Edge Baston for the last two years as when I was bar manager. Um, and it was always an open conversation at Couch. And I was, I was genuinely worried. I really was. So what we did was we, 
like I said at the start, we just problem solved our way through it. We we're like, all right, how are we gonna look attractive for people to want to work with us? Like, how would we have wanted to be employed when we were 20, 21, 23, 24? Like, it's not this, oh yeah, nine pound 50 an hour and an extra 50p more when you earn your, you know, your beer badge <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And you know, you're working six day weeks. It was this idea of, okay, let's create a rotor structure that's in fitting with the business plan because we've all got to make money and whatever. But let's, you know, let's look at four day working weeks. Let's look at um, mental health and financial support. Cause I know that, like a lot, of, a lot of people in our industry struggle with mental health. A lot of people in our industry struggle with um, financial problems cause it's not the best paying industry in the world. Let's look at giving people food every time they get to work. You know, let's, let's just look at like everything that we fucking hated when we were on the come up. How do we get past that? And then hopefully when shit does hit the fan, cause it will do, it's inevitable. We're a service industry. Like there's always going to be things that go wrong. And we say to one of our staff, oh, you know, I'm really sorry. This is, this person's out of action for the rest of the week. Do you mind picking up one shift for a fifth day? Obviously paid overtime. Like we'll never make you come into work cause everyone's salaried as well. Right. Yeah. Cause that was the one thing I was hated was the zero hour contracts and oh shit, my hours are getting cut. Or there's a new, there's a new bar manager in he doesn't like me as much as the old bar manager, so I'm not getting as many hours. It's like, fuck you, dude. Like, um, so everyone's on a flat salary. It's the way they used it as a threat against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it, like it's, Somebody doesn't want their hours next week. Talk about like, yeah. industry gaslighting. It's yeah. fucking minging, dude. Like, oh, thank you so much for my yeah. 90 hours. Thank imagine, you. <laughs> like, imagine like just all of that compiling on you. There's no wonder people have substance and alcohol issues in our industry, right? It's fucking bonkers. So yeah, I, and we, we put an advert. We didn't just type it all out and then just put it on whatever we got. It all put into our own branding, all that stuff. We linked um, like a press release with it that was like, this is what we're trying to create. And we sent it out and we got, we got metric fuck tons of CVs come through mm -hmm. from people that had never worked in the hospitality industry to like industry professionals from other cities around the UK, like that will, would want to move here to work with us. The other thing was, and this isn't us, you know, fucking saying we're amazing but it was nice to see the reception from the industry as well people saying this is how a job advert should be posted you know this is how a, a bar should be looking after people and it can be done you just have to have a better look at financials you can do four-day working weeks you can do salary like you just have to you just have to be real with the numbers and i think that's what's really helped me with my accounting background right is that i do have a good understanding of the flow of money through a business it's not just like Using a fucking I was going to say that must come in handy. Oh, for sure. Yeah, for sure. As much as I hate to admit it, I actually don't do any of the finances. Like, I'm like, I take the more creative lead. Matt is the finance boy. Oh, man. If I was yeah, there, I'd be like, yeah, you're yeah. back. I'd be like, no, you're doing the finances. Come on. Yeah, no. He actually is. He, I, I kind of look over at him sometimes and he's like sorting out brand contracts and putting stuff onto the, like, a, like our back of house finance system. And I'm like, yeah, fuck that noise. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I just, yeah, recruiting's going really well. And we got some good stuff. Actually, what day is it today? Uh, they're all on, they're all on site as of a week today. So fully, you know, giving everyone the proper training. I think giving people the support of where they want to go in their career as well. I think there's always been this thing in hospitality where when you leave somewhere, people like your boss is mad at you for leaving them. Yeah. Like, bad? Yeah, 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 bad? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, fuck yeah. him, he's like, bad. I was like, well, I'm not bad. Yeah, he's like, because like, you left us. So I was like, I gave him a notice. And that, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that again, we're talking about gaslighting or fucking Stockholm syndrome, whatever you want. Like all that shit is like so toxic, right? So we're like, I've, I had this thing, especially with, with the, the Edge Baston. Like if you give me a solid year, like that's great. And after two years, if you've not moved on, like 
how can I help you get to the next step yeah, where you want to yeah, go? Yeah, yeah. I know every everything is temporary, right? Staff should be temporary because I mean it's great if you get a staff member work for you for eight years, but like and okay if they're you know they just absolutely love you and they they bleed you, but like what is it that you're looking for next? Like you know Andre who used to work at the Edge Baston, he moved down to London to he's now managing Coupet, which is one of the best bars in the world. It's, I adore it. It's a great bar. And Andre is a great bartender. Um, you know Leo who used to work for me, he's he moved on after. I think about two and a half years to, he's now assistant band manager at Termini. Now they're rebranding and doing all their bits. Like, I don't know, I think everyone should be temporary. And it's like, work with us, we'll teach you what we can teach you. We'll show you how to get where you wanna go to. And then kind of like, see you later, get a new fresh person in. And it just gets more people in the industry, right? Is this like, is this how you started at Cage? Cause I didn't want to say like, oh, why did it finish? Okay, just in case. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I know you're still friends with the guys. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, fuck those but, guys. <laughs> did you sit down and have a conversation like this and said like, listen, I've, I've been, my philosophy about working is, yeah, it should yeah. be temporary. And I mean, Couch was actually, um, I actually, I vividly remember the day that I, that I thought, you know what, it's a project I want to be involved in. We were sat in the jury quarter I, it was really hot and I was on a, like a rooftop at one of my friend's flats and um, the Edge Baston was kind of as far as I could have taken it and I have to, you have to live by your own philosophies, right? And I'd been there coming up to four years and I was like, what's my next step, right? Where am I going with my career? I'm lucky I've got such a supportive wife um, and um, Katie and Jacob were there and I, we had like all this Domino's pizza. I was steaming on red wine, right? <laughs> like I, I think it was a combination of the sun and the red wine, whatever. They were asking me if I had any recommendations for some for a, a bartender for them opening couch and they were explaining their concept to me and sort of, like I said, I worked with both of them at the botanist years and years ago, like 2015 when I first got home. And I kind of, I was suggesting people and then went home steaming, rah, 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 rah. And I was lying there in bed the next day and I was like, I know I, I want like my own place at some point. Like I want to do my own big project. And I kind of just, I, I checked with the wife because it was like a drop in money. Of course, it, it was like hotel management. The hotel game is very different to the, well, the, the, the bar game, right? And uh, I uh, had a chat to the wife and then I text Kate and Jake and was like, yo, why, why don't you just, why don't I come on board? Like, and the whole idea was that I'll come on and I'll help with the drinks program. Cause Kate and Jacob hadn't worked really behind a bar for a while cause they were doing Christian Cubed. I mean, they're both phenomenally talented bartenders. Mm. They really, really are. But it was just, I guess, getting me on board with someone a bit fresher. Like, you know, we can hit the ground running. We can learn some new techniques, like finger on the pulse. I like to have my finger on the pulse with industry shit, trends and techniques and stuff. I was just sort of like, well, you know, can there be a bit of transparency with the whole setup process and all that stuff? So I actually came on a month before Couch opened. Uh, I vividly remember <laughs> the fir my first day. I was, I'd gone down to Couch the, the, in Sturchley and I was stood out the back on this gravel bit where it was just now the garden at Couch, a lovely yeah. little spot. It was not lovely, let me tell you. <laughs> and I was building this shed and I am not, ask anyone, I am not a handyman, right? I am so bad when it comes to building <laughs> shit. And uh, this thing said like, um, I think it said like four hours building time. It took me fucking two days. But anyway, <laughs> I was stood there building the shed in a piss poor rain in this minging garden in Sturchley. And I was like, what the fuck have I done? <laughs> and Jacob just kept popping his head out and being like, you're right, Tommy. And I was like, yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I, like the whole thing was that I just had a bit, with a bit of transparency. Kate and Jacob were, were wonderful at, you know, teaching me stuff. Uh, like, you know, how rough, like how stuff costs. Like um, the one thing I noticed was how 
furiously annoying contractors are. Poor Jacob being the project manager he was, um, was losing his mind with like our Tyler and stuff, you know, like it was like looking back on it, it was funny. But like at the time, like obviously you're all stressed to the nines, right? Yeah, like, of course. So yeah, just came on board at Couch and, and obviously we had a great opening. It was received really, really well. And then COVID hit, so it was just a bit like, oh shit, here we go. <laughs> uh, it was worst timing. Yeah, ever, really, I think we got like out. we got five months into trade. We didn't even get six months. Yeah, it was really tough, but you know they were great through it. Um, we did some cool projects. Um, yeah, I mean it's what it's COVID, isn't it? That's it. Well, I actually see more of you through COVID than I seen yeah, pretty much anyone else. Every Sunday, you know, every day. Sunday <laughs> dropping cocktails off. <laughs> Yeah, which was nice. That was like a little lifeline. I look forward to. Yeah, yeah. you didn't get to see anyone. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was, you know, it was nice just standing outside yours and just chatting shit for half yeah, an hour. Trying to stop the dog from running outside. Phone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking at my phone, I'm like, oh man, I'm so late to my next delivery, and I'm like, <laughs> it's Sunday. Who cares? <laughs> That's mad. So there was three of you at couch, pretty much for the yeah. setup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it just a coincidence that there's three yeah, of you for yeah, this? Yeah, it's a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've known Matt for a, for a very very long time. Um, and I've, not, I've known Eve, Eve for a long time as well, but I'm a big advocate as well as like, you, you sh we're stronger in numbers, right? Like it's a literal fact. Um, and when it comes to like opening your own bar, like I saw how well Kate and Jacob did just bouncing off each other. And I was sat there and I was like, I could do this on my own. Like I've got, I can get the funding. I can, I've got the creative mindset. Like I could do it on my own, but I think I'd have a bloody breakdown in six months or the wife would up and up and go because I'd be too stressful to live with. Yeah. It's hard, man. Yeah, Imagine being just on your own. At least and just then, having someone to pick you up just yeah, a little exactly. bit on your bad day. And then there's this there's this idea of like, you get kind of getting into your head, you're like, well, if I do it on my own, everything I make's mine, right? And it's like, that's such <laughs> yeah. a dumb mindset. Yeah. Like, So I, I remember sitting down with Matt and we'd, all, we'd always, always wanted to do something together. Like we'd always spoke about it. We have very, very similar like ethos is on drinks and um and yeah everything and eve's eve's like operational knowledge of how things work and she's she's i mean they're both just amazing they really are and it just came to the point where i was like let's do something now like why are we waiting like they were at a point where they were you know gonna gonna they had the time to do something so i was like well we don't we've always talked about it let's just pull the trigger on it and do it were they quite keen? Absolutely, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I'd actually been offered this site where Passing Fancies is. I was talking to Joe, who's the head of estates for for um, the custard factory, and I actually came across my emails early January, and I was sort of sitting on it for about four to six weeks, like thinking about it, and like, do I want to be in Dig Birth? Do I want to be in the custard factory? And I'd, by this point, I'd already lost like three venues in the jury quarter, and this one was literally been handed to me on a silver platter. And I'm like, do you know what? It makes business sense for everything that I want to do and my ethos. And I remember showing Matt it, and Matt was like, "Of course we're doing it. Like, why, is it, why was there ever any question?" Like Matt and Eve came down, and we were like, "Let's just fucking go." Like, let's, why? Like, I've seen. Like, I think they. Well, I I originally thought it'd be some not pokey, but some little place somewhere, whatever. But it's literally the flagship venue in the Drew Court in in uh, in Digbeth, right? It's like three big glass windows. You have to walk past it no matter which way you're going through. If you're going anywhere else. We're like front and center. Um, and then, yeah, I sh we showed Matt it and, and Eva, and they were both like, yeah, let's do it. Like, no question about it. And we just sat down and we just worked from there. We went name, concept, everything. We just bashed it all out. Um, and do you know what? Like, I think that's the good thing about working with friends is that, you know, uh, 
it, it's there's a lot of times in hospitality where you maybe feel like you have to hold your tongue at certain things that certain people do but when you're truly working with friends there's none of that like you can be as open as you want and mm. they do say you know never work with friends no never go into business with your friends or whatever but i'm not a believer of that like i'm a massive believer in transparency and like you know you can say constructive things not like an asshole yeah. like it's we're all grown-ups here yeah we saw it and and yeah all together from there. it came to came together from there so what sort of more their backgrounds so matt um matt's bartended since he was 18 years old um he's obsessed with bartending i don't think i've ever met anyone that loves it as much as i do and yeah he does um and eve eve again she's she's worked in hospitality for i mean she's a little bit older than matt but for for equal amount of time she was at hotel she was in hotel bartending um she did a brief stint at grain and glass because she's obsessed with whiskey mm. i remember like one of the first first nights she ever came around to the house this is years ago me erica matt erica's my wife um we're all sat there and you know you can play like like, like i said i'm not a technological dude <laughs> you know you can play fucking youtube on smart tvs like that <laughs> i didn't realize that was a thing yeah. so like got on youtube and we just banged on because she's a like we're all three of us are obsessed with hip-hop and we just banged on some action Bronson, and then we just absolutely destroyed my whiskey collection at home. Oh, <laughs> it nice. was so good. Oh, I wish I was. It I was love so whiskey good. as well. <laughs> I, I don't know. I just think it takes a very similar mind. Like we have very specific roles in the bar, but we all have very similar end goals. And you know, working like going back to the original question, like working with people, or like decide taking that decision not to do it on my own, or like to to link up with them is because we have other projects in mind as well, man. I don't think the be all and end all is having your one bar and that being it. Like there are creative projects we wanna do on the side. There are other venues we want. There are other projects we wanna run. And if you have a more solid management or director team, you have the flexibility to do that. And then on the flip side, if one of you is having a really shit day or week, you can lean on the other business partners, you know? Like it's just smart, it's common sense. I never get these lone rangers because then yeah. they just get this nihilistic point of view where they're like, well, I'm always working. I haven't paid myself in five years. Oh, <laughs> shut up, mate. <laughs> That's it, three. Usually the magic it's their own fault as well sometimes. Well, yeah. They, just, they like that mindset and they just get yeah. into it. That's, uh, I mean, I've spoke a bit about mindset. I have absolutely zero time for negative people. I, I, I cannot stand them. People that moan and moan just annoy the hell out of me. I just can't, I can't <laughs> do it. Like, I, just, I find it boring, man. Like... I'd rather you, like I've been, I've been talking to people at a bar and I don't know, they've been super passionate about, I don't know, fucking, I don't know, like, let's say light fittings. There's, you know, nice light fittings around here. And they've been super passionate about light fittings. And I'm like, oh yeah, tell me more about your light fittings. <laughs> Cause like that, it, like if someone's passionate about it, do passion sells passion, right? And I just got no time for people that just sit there and moan about stuff. Like, especially if you consider yourself an industry leader and you own your own venue or whatever, and you, all you're doing is moaning about it. It's like, okay, dude, calm down. <laughs> <laughs> So down on the cocktail list, how do you come up with, I, I've always wondered this, how do you come up with a cocktail list? Because obviously you could come up with six great cocktails, yeah. but they might all be whiskey based. So yeah. obviously you can't just have six, whiskey, unless you're yeah, a grain yeah. glass, you can't just have six whiskey based <laughs> yeah, cocktails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which obviously you've got to cater for other people. And other yeah, <laughs> but you've got to cater for lots of other tastes and imagine there's other people in the bar. So do you have to purposefully think, well, I need one that's, based around rum and sweet. I need yeah. one that's based on this and it's always going to be a similar sort of vibe on the list. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, we talk about it as like spirit saturation on menus. 
for a very long time, bartenders only liked working with fucking rum. And I don't know why. It's just the tiki bartender mentality, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. Like, don't get me wrong. I love a good daiquiri. The only thing that's better than a daiquiri is a daiquiri topped with a little bit of champagne. Nice. But um, Does it come with trends there? Because, you know, like rum became fashionable for a while. Then now gin. I yeah. Gin's yeah, still yeah. Gin's very consumer-led, though, right? Like yeah. gin. Okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I like gin, but God, my God, I'm fucking bored of it. Everybody's creative creative process is different. I, I don't know how I, I mean, I take a lot of external inspiration from, okay, I take a bit of inspiration from food, but also like what grows where, I, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one, it's a real tough one, because like trying to explain your creative process is, is, is real hard. Like we just try and hit certain gaps we, like on a menu, like make sure there's, you know, one delicious gin drink and then maybe a gin sour as well. So we've got both ends of the spectrum with the gin. Yeah, I, I don't know. Honestly, it's a constantly moving beast. Yeah. <laughs> it's a real tough one. But we just try and have balance. Like like I said, we can't have six whiskey drinks. Um, I mean, we can do. And if they're delicious whiskey drinks. I'll have all six. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, you know, it's this whole thing of like people have people have these like perceived ideas of what alcohols they do and don't like. Whereas a cocktail is about the sum of all the parts, not just that one ingredient. Right. It's like the whole spaghetti bolognese analogy. When my mum used to make me spaghetti bolognese when I was younger. If I could see the onions in it, I'd be like, fuck no, I ain't drinking that. I ain't eating that. <laughs> um, so she just cut the onions up finer and then I couldn't see them and I'd eat it because it was like delicious. And people go, oh, that's a tequila drink. I don't like tequila. But then they'll go and have a margarita somewhere. It's like, are you, are you, are you okay? <laughs> um, and then similar with whiskey, you know, like, and, you know, whiskey has been seen as like, a leatherback chair in front of a fire sipping spirit for old geezers that are super rich. But, like realistically, you put something like Glenmorangie in a Cosmopolitan and it fucking slaps. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's changing that, like that, this preconceived idea. Cause alcohol is alcohol, right? Like it gets you drunk exactly the same way. It's not like this, I get drunk, I get angry on whiskey, I get emotional on gin. There's so much more science behind it than that, you know, mental state, hydration. But yeah, people just have these ideas of, especially with tequila, it's like more tequila exists than that one at O'Neill's that's five pounds for five <laughs> shots, all right? Literally yeah. more exists. It's a huge category. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we just try and have a menu with balance. It's like you wouldn't go to, I don't know, say like you wouldn't go to Carter's or Smoke or Folium and just, you know, every course, be every, yeah, can you imagine like 12 courses of chicken? Um, you know, people would be losing their minds, right? Although then again, I'm, I'm also thinking that's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was at Bonehead the other night, and I just, oh, man, I think I could have that for every meal of the day. Yeah, I like could easily. I had the, the what was it, the um, the ranch chicken ranch sandwich thing oh, I haven't that had they that had one. on special. So it wasn't even a burger. Fucking blew my mind. Oh, I, I love man. what those guys do. They're they're, they're phenomenal. I love it since really they put the platters on now. Yeah, and, it, yeah. On and they've got like a chilled gamay in the fridge. Yes, I want dirty <laughs> fried chicken and a chilled red wine. Yeah. Put it in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we've had a lot of podcasts talking about bonus. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a, like a certain proportions when you're coming up with a drink that you have to have? Oh yeah, for sure. As in like how much booze you put in it? Yeah, like percentages of yeah, different yeah, amounts. for sure. Like. I mean, there are, like, without getting too technical about the whole thing, like, there are, like, certain ABVs you want to hit, or, or certain ABVs I work to in my head. And, like, traditionally, I don't know, like, an old-fashioned would have uh, 60 mil of whiskey in it, which roughly equates to, like, two, two ounces of booze. But, I mean, there's, there's rough ABV, there's rough, like, measurements you work to, but I think, like, we all have apps on our phones that work out, like, drink 
ABV and all that stuff, it's so easy now, is that you just aim for certain ABVs and you aim for certain certain balance. Because alcohol is, you need to balance alcohol in your drink as well. Like, it's not just about sweet and sour. It's about sweet, sour, alcohol, there's bitterness. Like, there's, it's a whole plethora of stuff, right? So if you taste something and it's just like, a really unpleasant slap in the face of alcohol, then yeah, there is way too much in there, which is like everybody's home cocktails, by the way. Like if you say <laughs> you can make cocktails at home, you can't. Like, because unless you're measuring it out properly, I, I've seen people do it and they're like, glug, 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 glug. That's enough tequila for my margarita. And then like one squeeze of a lime wedge and you're like, okay, that's yeah, gonna end badly. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, we're not getting too technical, but there are so many different like levels of, of how you can look at it as well. There are, Obviously, the cures, there's all homemade stuff. Like, we're really lucky that at the bar, we're going to have like a rotovap and a centrifuge. So, we're going to be doing a lot of in house distilling. We're going to be doing a lot of in house like splitting and spinning and loads of fun stuff. You made so, your own. You famously made your own Guinness vermouth, didn't you? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that was inspired by a, by a guy that did it for a competition in yeah. world class. Um, but yeah, I remember I remember the Guinness vermouth that was really, really tasty. Made a completely crystal clear old fashioned. I think that was one of my favorite ones. Is it literally just looked like a glass of water. Like we, like I said, we love a shit pun. So we called it clearly an old fashioned. <laughs> um, and you know, it was like Macallan, it was like some bonkers Macallan Woodford all redistilled. So it come oh, out man. completely clear. And that's what I mean. Like you, you, you can have fun with these crazy old liquids, but at the end of the day, having a drink is about it being fun. So it's that perception. Like you look like, look at it, it looks like a glass of water, drink it. And you're like, what? It tastes like an old fashioned. That should be brown and murky or brown and have orange wedge on it or whatever, but, or an orange zest, but, um, but yeah, I don't know. It's the whole technical side of making drinks. So I could talk about it for hours, but <laughs> probably <laughs> bore everyone. <laughs> How much do you have to consider the cost? Oh, all the time, one hundred percent. You'll hear a lot of people. Uh, our whole industry is dictated by our, by our GP, right? So you make something, and then Matt's like, "Fucking lovely, Tommy," but that's <laughs> going to cost like fifty <laughs> quid. <laughs> nah, I think that was actually something that was uh, done really well at the Edge Baston back in the day. Luke Pearson, the bar manager at the time. So we always did this thing, which I've always done, or always like to do everywhere I've been and everywhere I've, I've worked. So we have this thing called a Friday night project, which is where you'll get a brief, almost like a competition. And while it's really busy, you have to think about it. Like maybe you've picked a spirit out of a hat or whatever, and you have to like make a drink out of it. And then either at the end of the shift or the next day, you make your drinks and explain why that's your project, right? But a lot of the time, Luke would print out the, um, he'd like make a spreadsheet of like every spirit that was either in the hat or whatever. And then he would have the GP margins. So he'd be like, 10 mil is this much at 75% GP. And I think getting taught GP from being uh, quite a novice bartender, it just gives you a way better understanding of how the business works. Like, yeah, drinks can be really expensive. They really can be. But, you know, if you are just aware about how much you put in, like if we're talking about flavor-led bevs and not bevs based on just alcohol to get you pissed, 30 mil of something will be enough for a flavor. 30 milliliters of whiskey will be enough to carry the flavor of whiskey. Mm. You know, like you could put, I mean, they'll hate me for fucking saying it, but Ardbeg 10, right? Delicious, smoky pee. I, like there is literally no need to put any more than two drops of that in any cocktail ever. Yeah, <laughs> strong <laughs> like, yeah, 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 strong. Unless you're obviously trying to create something that is championing Ardbeg, right? But like we used to use it in dasher bottles and it just added that like saline, that beautiful salinity, the smoke, that like mm. funky, uh, that, that, you know, that funky um, Isla single malt flavor. Um, and it's just about like understanding these and then you can work around pricing. And 
if you're, like I said, truly creating flavor-led creative bevs instead of bevs to get people pissed, you can create something delicious for a fair price. And that's, you know, something I've always been a massive advocate of is that like people need to feel like they're getting value for money. I love going down to London. I was down in London the other day, went to the Savoy, just got in, the American bars just reopened, got a, a good friend of ours, Chelsea Bailey, she's just taken over as head bartender. But my God, the first drink on the menu was 60 quid, plus service, 12 and a half percent. And it's a classic hotel bar, right? And luckily, you know, I doubt Chelsea will ever listen, listen but she comped our drinks. Thank you very much, Chelsea. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it's... Too, that costs, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's mad. So I'm a big advocate of a cocktail in a bar like ours in, it's, uh, in this area. It's very similar to Couch as well. It's a conversation we had all the time. Is that a Bev for us should never go above £10. Pounds. Yeah. This idea of getting two delicious cocktails in crystal glassware, on block ice, beautifully, like, presented, brought to the table by nice people for under 20 quid. I think that's banging. I think that's absolutely banging. I think I just think if you get taught it from a young age as a, a bartender, it's always in the back of your head. Yeah, imagine a chef just walking up and going, yeah, so what we're going to do is all this Wagyu, and then <laughs> we're going to do something with this. I don't know. I, I am actually, <laughs> I can't think of anything because I'm actually a terrible chef. I burn beans on toast. Like there are so many times at couch, people are, oh, you must be like really good in the kitchen. Honestly, ask my wife. I'm shite. <laughs> like if it ain't a pot noodle, I'm fucking it up. Yeah. <laughs> Price is always something that we do have to think about but at a certain point we have to take a bit of in my opinion a bit of a, a bite from the high-end wine market and and start where we can if if your venue's busy enough or if there are certain things you've got on there that you're not going to make the greatest gp on just start looking at cash margin i'd rather i'd rather sell five or something at maybe a 50 percent margin then no one buy any because it's at a 75 percent margin percentage isn't going in your till cash is mm. so if as long as you sort of like have it in the back of your mind you're always going to be able to give people value for money with delicious drinks in my opinion yeah of course well you've got the cocktails i'm presuming the guinness you can on tap is the best guinness that could possibly oh, be sold anyway i am so fucking excited <laughs> yeah i'm no, excited because no. i love guinness nah, it's, it's so rare to get a really good one i mean that comes down to the the ethos behind eve matt and myself about like when we do start the project when we do eventually do something we're gonna have stuff in there that we would honestly drink like when i go out i fucking love smashing a guinness and a jameson mm. like it's, yeah it's a good mix, yeah, yeah. it's something about the two that yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's know like, the whiskey works yeah, well yeah it. it's, it's bonkers i mean nah, yeah powers powers, powers yeah green yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what that's like jacob jacob from couch's party trick it just disappeared to the bar and just come back with more shots of jameson <laughs> like thanks jacob i love you but fuck we're getting wasted um yeah yeah so you know the the this idea that so many people have like They've not been shocked, but have like almost taken a like, really? When we say that, like, you know, we're doing high end bevs, we're doing delicious, you know, not high end wine, but just delicious wine. And then we've got Stella, Stella Unfiltered and Guinness on draft. They're like, you can kind of see it clock in their head. And, and the famous thing is, oh, you've got wife beer on draft. And it's like, okay, go back to the fucking Stone Ages. <laughs> like, I'm a big, I reckon if you were to blind taste a lot of people on mainline lagers across all of the brands, Stella would easy be the top performing, easy. Mm. And it's, the, I mean, a big thing that we have, you know, that we talk about is like, good liquid is good liquid. Like our wine program is not a natural wine program. It's not an organic wine program. There's a mix of everything. We wouldn't truly be true to our ethoses if we weren't selling what we thought was just good juice. 
I think Stella's good juice. I think Guinness is good juice. We're gonna have a rotating spirit selection. So when we sell it, say if we get powers in, once a bottle of powers is gone, we should get something else that's delicious in so that I'd, it's different next time someone comes in. You know, like, yeah, I just, I can't, honestly, that first pint of Guinness. So we do, we're putting the line twice through the filter, through the cooler as well. So it's oh, gonna be like oh. regular Guinness, but extra cold. It's gonna, honestly, yeah, it's gonna be cool. And yeah. we're like, I mean, we're in a bit of a battle with the brands at the moment. They want us to serve it in branded glassware, or they won't put it in the... We have these beautiful, you know, the Camden Hell's glasses, the yeah. real thick dumples. So imagine that, but the thinnest, most beautiful glass. Like, it almost, you can't feel it when you pick it up, but it's still like this, like, fucking chalice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With just, like, a crystal Guinness in it, or, like, the, the perfect Stella. And we're going to knife it as well. We're going to, you know, the whole knife on the top of the Stella? That's happening. We're doing everything. <laughs> <laughs> the new Guinness glasses are shit, though. Like, do yeah, you know the yeah, best Guinness? I've got, I've got one, haven't I? It's not a straight one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't you just ask we'll do, Brandon? Just give us them glasses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, my the only thing is about about having Guinness not in branded glasses is that I do I am partial to playing the Guinness game. I do love it, and that if I don't win or if I don't get it right, I will buy another Guinness until I get it right. Yeah. So well, this is confusing me now because I'm gonna come in for cocktails and be like, (laughs) no, actually, the Guinness is too good. I've got to drink it. Yeah. Well, that's the point, right? Like the whole so. The name Passing Fancies, it's a name of a, so it's a John Wayne song, um, who's like a West Coast rapper on a label called Stone Story. The, the idea of Passing Fancies is that like, like time is inevitable, right? Like it marches on and tastes just fluctuate throughout time. Like I, olives, right? Some weeks I love olives. Then next week I'm like, fuck olives. I hate olives and never have one again. <laughs> and then a week later I'm like, oh, partial to an olive. You know, like things come in and out of our lives and it's that we shouldn't be mad about it when they are or they aren't. Like shit just changes. So if you want to come in and you feel like a Guinness and a whiskey or you feel like a glass of delicious, I don't know, fucking Greek white wine or you want to start smashing through some cocktails, go for it. Like Mm. we, without sounding too (laughs) salesy, like, you know, our job is to make it as easy as possible for you to spend your money. So (laughs) So it's not just bookings only sit down on a nah, private bar. Nah, you can nah, just nah, sit nah. at the bar and get a Guinness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got 14 bar seats and I reckon I can get the capacity of the bar to 20 people on the bar at any one time. I want a big bar. Like, yeah. something we, we try it. We did it couch. Couch's bar is huge. But I love sitting there. If I can yeah, sit at the bar, yeah, that's yeah. where I want to sit. Yeah, the yeah, bar. yeah, yeah. And the seats are comfy. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah. You get to see everything. You haven't got to do any yeah. drinks are there. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the, the whole idea of the venue... So, I mean, you've, I mean, you guys have seen it, right? Is that the bar is actually at 90, 90 mil. So we're not having that classic thing where you make the drinks and then you serve the drinks onto the bar top. It's all one level. And the whole reason it was designed like that is because I am like a firm believer when I was younger and I was a shitbag and I was going to house parties. And now that I'm a refined 31 year old going to house parties, <laughs> the party is always in the kitchen, right? Yeah, like people yeah, yeah. always congregate to the kitchen. And that's how we've tried to make the bar. So it's this like huge kitchen bar top type situation. The back bar is the same height. So there's no stepped back bars. So we have some shelves of booze and that. But it's this idea that if you come to the venue, you should want to sit at the bar. And then the atmosphere radiates from the bar. Obviously, we've got tables for, I don't know, if you're on a fucking date and you want to sit in the corner. Or, you know, we've got these big communal tables if you're with loads of mates and you want to catch up. But like, I'm a big advocate for that. Yeah, that mass, that bar experience is what people want. That's right? my favorite thing about going to Ireland is you can actually just sit at the bar and yeah. nearly everywhere you can just do that and sit. And it is comfy and they've thought about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You usually get chatting to strangers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's, yeah. that's the whole thing. And then you're like, oh my God, I was so fucked up last night. Do you remember chatting to that guy about that fucking, <laughs> you know, it's like, 
That's it's funny, man. That's like well, that's it. Couch. I'd never gone in there and not ended up talking to someone. Yeah, yeah, learn, yeah. When I've been sat at the bar every man, time. I met so many people at Couch that I I consider friends, and they were guests over the bar. It's and that's the way it should be. Like I'm a. I mean, I was out with one of them on Saturday night. We went to Centrala for a new like skate premiere thing. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. Like I said, it's a community thing, right? Um, but yeah. So it's been under wraps for a while. It's not just drinks. There's going to be food. There is food, yes. Hopefully yeah. delicious food. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, it's actually the part of the project where I'm completely stepping into a, a new thing. So we're working with the wonderful Dan, who is Cubox in Harborn. Sort of knew him from back in the day when he was at Simpsons and I was working at the Edge Baston. And if, if any of you don't know Cubox, it's, it's you know Michelin fine dining level cooking on a like takeaway platform. It's phenomenal, phenomenal stuff. And yeah, essentially he's writing his um, 10 course menu, not not 10 tasting course, but 10 plate menus, hyper seasonal, you know, rotating on a regular basis. And essentially he preps, um, we get it into the kitchen and then the whole team does, you know, monthly refreshes with Dan on finishing and plating. And it's this, it's what I was talking to you about earlier about when we get a problem, we don't get emotional and stressed out about it. We, we problem solve our way through it. We, went, we did have a chef involved um, at the start, a lovely guy called Alex, and he's, for other reasons, decided to do his own thing. Yeah, we were like, okay, cool. Like, how do we get past this? And we sat down with Dan. We looked at the menu. We looked at how feasible it would be in the bar and how the training would go. And, yeah, we're just running with it. And, you know, it's stuff from, you know, like I said to you guys, like beef fat potatoes and, and goat's cheese beignets, which are like your bar snacks that you, like, imagine having, like, an ice cold gin martini and then just this like little delicious goat's cheese beignet. Oh my God, what a time to be alive. <laughs> um, but then also stuff, you know, moving into like two veggie dishes or like a ricotta and beetroot salad, moving into like, you know, you know, more substantial ox cheek, you know, with uh, like on pom puree um, and, and pork belly stuff and then moving on to two desserts. So this idea that like you can have everything, you can come in for a meal and have a glass of water if you want and still have a great time. Or you can come in, sink a million daiquiris and then just smash some beignets and then have a pair of choc ice at the end. Sounds great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, made you, what made you want to like put that much effort into the food? Because Tommy, you could have opened up like a tiny little dingy thing like you were saying. <laughs> and people would have come, yeah. let's face it. Like, I know you were in a minute because you're, you're very modest. And, <laughs> but like, you know the door for Stellas. <laughs> you could have that, and people would have came to anything because you've got yeah. that. Everyone trusts you. They've got that relationship. They, they know what do. you've done. <laughs> so you could have easily have just yeah. either not Thanks, bothered man. doing food or yeah. just stuck any old shit in, you know, um, an afterthought. And yeah, it's clearly yeah, not sure. an afterthought. This isn't an afterthought. No, like, no, this not is at all. equal to yeah. the drinks menu. Like. I mean, yeah, the fucking amount we spent yeah. on the kitchen. <laughs> Jesus yeah. Christ. Uh, I thought bars were expensive. But why, why did you do that? <laughs> so you actually kind of took one point you actually kind of touched on. So food is always an afterthought in bars. Like mm. I like I will not say that it isn't like it's always let's sort out. Let's build the bar. Let's build the beverage program. Shit, we need some snacks. And then because of that, it really limits what you can do food wise because you've not thought about uh, where's a little prep space for some food going where's the induction plate going like we've not got any extraction so it limits us doing this that and the third so it always ends up dripping nuts and olives right yeah. nuts and olives or whatever and something we tried at couch which went down really well was the little couch potato things which is mm. like yeah. you know holding yeah. potatoes at a certain temp so it 
cook the starch and butter and stuff, but it wouldn't like over mush them if they were in there for a super long period of time, right? One, it was always an afterthought. I didn't want that at all. And then two, I just, I've always wanted to work with food and drink. I feel like, like I said to you about this idea of having a martini and beignets, like they go hand in hand. Food and drink is like, like I'm not saying that, you know, there should be, I mean, Rob does them really well, but like, I mean, I'm sure there are lots of people out there that do them really well, but like the will, you know how the wilderness will have like their tasting menu and they'll have cocktail courses mixed in between the wine and stuff. I'm not saying that like with the foods made to be drank alongside cocktails, but they're so complimentary, man. Like mm. a good friend of mine, Josh, who, you know, you guys all know, this idea, we were talking about this idea ages ago. We made it at, at his and it was just a banging carbonara next to a literally an ice cold freezer gin martini was like the best thing ever. Like, you know, that mm. fattiness of the lardons of the pecorino. Sorry, guanciale, isn't it? It's not, you know, I'd say <laughs> lardons. And then, uh, and then like a serious, like ice cold, minus six degrees, 12 to one gin martini. Just like, how does that, how is that not something you want to put in your face? Yeah. <laughs> um, and also I just think it's, you know, from a more business level, if it keeps bums on seats as well, I'm happy with that. Like, you know, if people can order, if, if you know, if, if us three were going out for a drink and we're, you know, we're smashing back with four drinks in and one of us goes, oh, we're really hungry, where should we go to eat? And you're like, oh, Pedro's does pizza, this place does that, this place does that. And it's like, oh no, these guys actually have like a reputable reputation that is executed to a very good quality. You know, let's get some potatoes, let's get the ox cheek, let's get the salad and let's get, I don't know, the, and you can just pick. The whole idea is that, they are plates to just bang into. It's not starts, mains, desserts at all by any stretch of the imagination. It's just plates to just you know, get your face in that are delicious. And if that keep, if that then keeps you there, I mean, it's probably shouldn't say it's a responsible service of alcohol. <laughs> then you have another four drinks and then go on your merry way. That's just made me a lot of money, yeah. right? Yeah. Like hopefully the, the, that sort it's of- like, the person having to get up and fucking move yeah, anyway, yeah, and yeah, I'd exactly. rather not do that. Exactly, to be exactly. And by no means, well, I mean, I'm not selling, not that I'm selling myself short, but like, I'm, it was just trying to find chefs in, we were talking about recruitment earlier, trying to find chefs in this day and age. I honestly just couldn't afford them. Like I could not afford them. And I, met, I reached out to, to Dan and, um, and we sorted, sorted this sort of thing out. And, and I feel like this is a better, one, we get to collaborate with someone who I respect. I think his food is delicious and you know he has an outstanding quality that he holds himself to, but he also gets to, dip his feet into another project and something else that's going on. And then we start talking about this like collaborative snowball about just two brands, you know, you see it in the fashion industry all the time, brands that work together to do really cool stuff, but then still have their own, you know, stalwart reputation of mm. this is what I do, this is what I do. And I just think there's room for that in hospitality. If at the end of the day, if the guests like it and they're happy with it, then fuck yeah, we're all happy. Everyone's making money, everyone's drunk and everyone's got food. <laughs> when the cocktails, is it just what you've created on the menu or someone can someone come in and go I want a dirty martini please oh 100 I think that is the like I think that's like I don't know if that's industry gaslighting to guests that we'd never would able yeah. to do that but I think it was frankly a dirty martini is one of yeah, the yeah, greatest yeah. things on the so, planet so <laughs> such a really funny Darren who used to own the Edge Baston you know R.I.P. not Darren the Edge Baston um, <laughs> it, um, his favourite drink every time we went somewhere new he would order a shaken dirty vodka martini with the olive in it and that was if the bartender screwed his face up he would just enjoy it so much more because i don't know it's a drink that people seem to like oh i don't want a day vodka gin martini but i mean if it's the like i said if it's good liquid it's good damn liquid you know like um but no so yeah of course the way the menu is going to be structured 
So we have 12 drinks and we are really taking a sort of bite and being inspired by how chefs work with their menus and season, like British led seasonality and then reaching out for anything, anything else. Right. So the list will be 12 drinks long, the 12 cocktails. And let's say it's a forced rhubarb season. So um, on the menu, there will be what we'll do is we'll get rhubarb in and then we'll manipulate it and we'll do whatever we want with it. So we've got a stock of rhubarb products. So we'll distill some, make some rhubarb gin or vodka or rhubarb whiskey, whatever. We'll make a cordial, we'll clarify some, we'll fat wash some, we'll do like everything in our realms to make loads of cool rhubarb stuff. And then over the next four weeks or whatever with rhubarb in season, we'll just keep doing what we're doing and we'll make, I don't know, say a rhubarb colada, right? Like mm. rhubarb, Rhubarb gin, fresh rhubarb juice, coconut cream. It's one of the most delicious things I think I've ever tried. Rhubarb obviously carries a metric foot ton of acidity. So you just replace it with the lime, all that stuff. Um, so yeah, we will just have this rotating idea of bevs that when all that rhubarb's then gone, we're like, okay, what's in season now? And obviously we won't be doing it as a la minute as that. There'll be a, a program that's, you know, we're looking ahead, but it's this idea that we're capturing something in season and we're just making delicious stuff with it. And then when that's out of season, we do something different. And the 12 drinks on the menu will be all different things that are in season. And, it, you know, it might be, you know, okay, it's really hot. You obviously can't really get any citrus here in the UK. So we're not saying that we're bound by we're only using, you know, British Isles-led products, but we start our creative process internally, and then we look externally. So what do we have delicious here? What's in season here at the moment? And then we move on. But with that being said, as I probably skirted around the question a little bit, there are actually three types of drinks that I identify in the industry. Three types of cocktails, right? Classics, pina colada, martini, negroni, espresso martini, all the delicious ones, right? Then there are twisted classics. So they are X flavor classic. So during lockdown, rum and raisin, old fashioned. No, so, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so nice. So it's a conceptualized Bev in the idea that we've considered what it's made from, but it does, it vaguely is reminiscent of a structure of a classic. So, okay, the rum and raisin old fashioned was an old fashioned lead bev, but it was, um, you know, it was like a, it was a delicious Demerara rum. It was PX Sherry. Then it was reduced PX Sherry that was then bumped back up with Demerara and stuff like that, right? <clears throat> so that's drink number two. It's like flavor of twisted classics. And then three is completely conceptualized bevs. So think about the stuff that Rob Wood does, that, um, you know, Nightjar do that, you know, all these like crazy bevs that, I don't know, one could be called, uh, I don't know, um, Washed Away. I, I don't fucking know. I'm trying to think of cocktail <laughs> names. It's actually really hard. Uh, yeah, all right. When Life Gives You Melons, right? That was a drink that I did ages ago um, for World Class. And that's like, that doesn't resemble any structure. It's just a completely bonkers off the wall. You know, you couldn't taste it and be like, oh, that's like a daiquiri or, oh, that's like this because it's completely a smorgasbord, it's like a fucking Moe painting, right? Like God knows what it is. <laughs> so they're the three styles of drinks from classics to completely conceptualized. I think that, you know, personally, from my opinion, that are out there. And okay, you know, the professionals may argue and say that's not true, whatever. But on our menu, all three of those styles are gonna live harmoniously. So at any one point you can come in, because the menu's been printed in house on like a coconut card so that we have the flexibility. So you can come in and I don't know, one week there might be I don't know, a Negroni on there. There might be loads of different stuff on there, but there will always be classic bevs like littered through the menu. And hopefully that will let people know. And obviously we'll tell them that, yeah, you, of course you can have classic bevs because not only does that let them have classic bevs, it also gives us a platform to have to teach our bartenders 
how to do classic drinks. Because you get, uh, in the bartending community, you get like people that are super creative about making drinks, but then they have absolutely no idea how to make a fog cutter. And you're like, uh... Well, there must be like a baseline of knowledge. Yeah, yeah, have, yeah, there the is, there is. And I mean, you can't know every classic because there are so many dumbass obscure ones. Like, yeah. I don't know, some of the shit Simon Difford makes up, it's hilarious. Yeah, I, I don't know. We just, we, we want to be as open as possible and, you know, have classic drinks, have completely conceptualized drinks because they're all going to be delicious because they're coming from us. And, and that's where we talk about ourselves more as a brand than a bar. Is that like anything you see our stamp or our name on it will be that sign of, you know, quote unquote Louis Vuitton quality. Like you see, like it's gonna be a good bev. It's gonna be a good plate. It's gonna be a good fucking time at the end of the day. Mm. Um, that's kind of what we want to go for. So you're having music as well, I take it then. Oh, so absolutely. What sort of vibe we're going for the music, just eclectic uh, sort of mix. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it's it's tough. Like not just we're hardcore hip hop. No, yeah, because we're all massive hip hop heads. <laughs> like it's tough, but nah, it like dips in and out of like. I mean, all of that, like, really sort of, um, um, really jazzy, soulful, um, like, northern soul style, like, early 90s hip-hop to new age hip-hop to, you know, a bit of funk in there. Like, we're definitely not just, like, you know, you're going to come in and it's just going to be fucking Kendrick and Schoolboy Q shouting at you all day. <laughs> like, like, absolutely not. But obviously, you know, it's something Jacob and, and Danny at the couch for us, so, like, uh, they were, like, so um, protective over their playlists because you have to have different playlists, right? Like Wednesday night playlists should not be the same as a Saturday night playlist. Like that's completely wrong. Like the vibe at eight o'clock on a Wednesday is way different to the vibe at half past ten on a Saturday, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's not gonna be. It's not gonna just be like you know, you know, banging like hip hop that the bass makes the windows wobble. It's it's a, a beautiful mix of of soul, jazz, funk, hip hop. And what time can we drink at your bar till? At midnight. Midnight. We are licensed till one, um, but I just think with the area, to be honest, we just there's a lot of late night venues around us. There's no reason for us to be open any later. Well, the venue next door, where we are now, <laughs> this is what three, four. Three, yeah. three, I think yeah. they're going for four, but yeah. yeah, I mean, here's three, literally next door, NQ64, three. It's carnage. Like Another there's literally no need. And like for me, selfishly, I can get all my guests as fucked up as possible <laughs> and then just boot them next door. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I think it's something the Edge Baston taught me is that they're especially in like a table service venue, the the theoretical amount of m like money you'd make, say, staying open till two a.m. compared to the potential drama or breakages of glasses that are quite expensive or you know whatever. There's maybe not. It actually balances in the idea of like not being open that late because it's actually not that much worth it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's so we're we're gonna try it. We, I mean, I'm a big advocate for opening till midnight. I think midnight is is perfect for around here for us. But we'll we'll play. I, we want to be six days a week, but we're we're just Wednesday to Sunday when we open to start. Um, but ideally, I mean, idea. I'd love to be seven days a week if the business is there. But you know, everyone should be able to get a good drink and a plate no matter what day it is. Mm. It's just a real Birmingham thing. Hey, you hear about the Monday Birmingham curse, and it's like <laughs> I think the only place that destroys it is goddamn Albert Schloss, and I don't know how the fuck they do it. <laughs> I mean, I'm there on a Monday. <laughs> Definitely, I'm probably there, still there from industry on the Sunday night. <laughs> well, that's it. We record usually on Mondays, and yeah, we yeah. used to go for dinner on Mondays. There's only a handful of places we could actually yeah, yeah. eat on a Monday. Oh, so, uh, you, you know, I, I completely understand, and I think that's why I like selfishly want to do it is because you know, couches was down in Sturchley, but for the last two and a half years, I mean, I live in the Drury Quarter, and I have done since I've, I've moved to Birmingham. Trying to find somewhere to eat on a Monday is like fuck. It's like pulling, it's like pulling teeth. 
And that's why like, everyone jokes. I say, I'm always at fucking Tierra. And I'm like, because it's actually delicious and it's open <laughs> yeah, on a Monday. <laughs> but other than that, like, I mean, I can't have tacos every... I mean, I can. I 100% yeah, can. Yeah, that's fine. It's a rubber place. So what's it? Torrent, uh, uh, Trentina. Trentina. Yeah, is delicious. That, is that open on Monday? Yeah. Uh, I don't think so. I think no. it's only Wednesday. I mean, it might be. I'd, I'd, the boys might kill me for saying this shit, but <laughs> I, I don't know. Please check their opening hours. <laughs> um, but no, Trentina's lovely as well. It's nice to have like a homely pasta joint in the JQ now. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Awesome, man. Uh, we're well over an hour. Oh, sick, um, yeah. yeah. Which isn't a problem. You got your uh, questions? Yeah, man. So just to one. finish on a lighthearted note, Carlos, you know a few questions. This is all shit we've probably spoke about before anyway, so there's nothing probably. new here. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite TV show? Oh, favourite TV show, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah is it Brooklyn Nine-Nine? That or Parks and Rec. Yeah, uh, Parks, yeah, I Parks yeah, and Rec. Yeah, That's one of my favourites. Uh, what's your favourite movie? Uh, favourite movie is... Uh, it's either it's I'm sorry I can't it's either super bad or I love you man. <laughs> yeah, super bad. I remember yeah, seeing yeah. that the pictures. Bro, super bad is That's like probably the most I've ever laughed at a film the first time I ever seen it. Yeah, 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 I saw it in a cinema with a girl I actually ended up dating for a very long time, and yeah, we literally were super bad in the cinema. Yeah. It's it's one of them. That was <laughs> like Pineapple Express. Yeah, that yeah, yeah Pineapple so Express. Funny. Like, and I, as well, like for me, like um, I love you, man. On the surface, great film, whatever. But it's a film about two dudes that are just fr- trying to find platonic male friendship in their 40s. How yeah. fucking heartwarming is that? <laughs> yeah. What a time. <laughs> What's your favorite band or artist? My favorite artist is a late RIP uh, producer called Jay Diller. He's made some of the most beautiful music in the world, in my opinion. Um, and singer, I guess, would probably be... Uh, Probably MF Doom, I guess. Yeah, yeah he's just RIP as well, but I mean, he's just got something so soulful about it. Something that you know, so soulful about his voice. You know, you, you don't know he's a uh, he's yeah, he's it's just great. Yeah. Which favorite? It's very been very very specific. Which favorite spirit? Down to the bottle. Down to the bottle. Um, holy shit! Magic you, that's a tough one. Yeah, that is a really tough one, dude. It's gotta be a whiskey, I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, honestly, it's Glen around your ten year old. Like, you know, it's one of those brands that people are like, oh my God, but my dad used to drink Glenmo. But it stood the test of time because it's frankly, it's fucking delicious. Yeah. Yeah. And it's shottable as well. This idea that you can't shot single malt whiskey, just just get in the bin, just get it down you and stop moaning. (laughs) Yeah, just drink it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, What's your favorite beer? Stella. Stella, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite big fast food chain? I mean, it's probably got to be Mackey's, right? Like, there is nothing more beautiful in life than just a lot of people have said Mackey's. A fucking cheeseburger, isn't it? Like that's so that shit is so consistent, man. <laughs> yeah, like, that's iconic. World, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I think everyone that says it as well, that's the reason they say it's just yeah, the consistency yeah. of it everywhere. Yeah, because yeah. you you go to Burger King on KFC and they fuck they the, the the scope of difference of what you're getting <laughs> like changes <laughs> massively yeah. in it. Um, what do you normally order? Oh man, I'm I'm a simple like. Big Mac dude, and yeah, then I'm if I'm hungover, fan. twenty chicken nuggets, man. Oh, one hundred percent. I'm not a fan <laughs> of this. This uh, what was that fucking TikTok sensation where people were putting a shot of coffee in their milkshake? What? Nah. Can I see oh, that? Yeah, nah, no, I'm yeah, I'm not. But I don't even know how to work TikTok. Like, I fuck that. The, uh, fries rum, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The fries in their milkshake. So that's what I actually tried a drink by from a, a bartender at Fox and Chance Blaze, and he made a, a, a cocktail for a competition where you like it was like poutine with your chips, but it was inspired by the dipping. Oh, it was amazing. Right. Yeah, big up you, Blaze, that was sick. What's the best drinking city in the world other than Birmingham? 
Oof, that is a loaded question for a bartender. <laughs> <laughs> Barcelona is so sick. Yeah, Barcelona. Um, awesome. London, London's great because it has a few like lighthouse places. But other than that, like I actually don't. It's not that fun to me to walk around. Like, I'm sure there's some great pubs and that down there. I mean, before I moved to Birmingham, I think I've been to London four times or some shit. I rarely go south, but obviously where can I go now? New York's great, but it's just a load of old fucking shit. Like people living off their their reputations, death and co and that. Um, do you know what? Honestly, I'm actually gonna say Perth, Western fucking Australia. Perth, something I knew you were gonna say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's where I grew up. That's where I learned to bartend. You know, they, they, there's a pub that used to do fucking schooners for five dollars by like Feral. That's where me and the missus where, where we where we met. Fucking Mechanics Institute. Like there was some. Honestly, Perth was a sick drinking city. It really yeah. is. It really is. It, everyone will go, oh Melbourne, Sydney. Nah, no, fuck that. There's too many English people there. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we're laughing because my brother yeah, literally lives in Sydney <laughs> and our mate lives in Melbourne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it? No one goes, exactly <laughs> the Awesome, Tommy. This yeah, has been real fun, man. Nah. We've been talking about it for a while now. Yeah, we? yeah. It's just busy around, with man. COVID and yeah, visit with you know, couch and then you know, the timing place, works out well to do it on the new bar. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me so much on, lads. I hope I haven't waffled shite too nah, much. Like, I can't, honestly, I can't wait to have you down at the venue. I can't wait um, you just get some cold fucking beers out or a glass of water and some cold beer. <laughs> 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 awesome. Cheers, Tommy. Yeah, cheers, boys.